So good to be in the house of the Lord with you. We've got ushers coming down. If you want a sermon sidekick to take notes, just raise your hand and they will put one in your hand for those in-house. For those out-house, I think that's funny to say those. Uh, welcome to those of you online. That's what I'm getting at. We are thrilled that you're here. Whatever state you're in, it is always a joy to hear and connect with you. Well, all right. Today, we're talking about the miracle of peace. And, and, and in our spirit zones go, yeah, if I'm going to get peace in the midst of this season, in the midst of what's going on in my life, that would take a miracle. Phenomenal because God does that miracle constantly. And God's ready to do it in your life right now, today, going forward. Uh, it's, it's ironic that when we talk about the dynamic of peace, coming into our life, that it is really surrounded by the fact of the birth of a child. Doesn't that sound ironic, like an oxymoron, that when children enter in, it's wearisome, it's restless, it's, it's like, it's frantic, it's hectic, it's, it's painful, you know, all of those kind of things are taking place. And um, yet, it, it just, I tell you what, we can, uh, I, I don't know if I've overdone this, if I have, forgive me, but you're going to see a 20-second video of my grandson, Raven James. Uh, this is like him at his best. This is like him at his best uh, when, when you want to see uh, a child. And it's, it's amazing. Like, like, he's a need machine. He just creates more chores. He doesn't do any chores, you know. Cute as a button, but, they, you know, he keeps his mom and dad up at night. And he's a fun guy, but he is, you know, constantly, you know, changing stuff. Needs to get, you know, he, that boy needs a lot of help. That boy needs a lot, a lot of help. And what's interesting, if, you, if you're fortunate enough to have a, a child in your life, maybe you're a special aunt or uncle, a grandma, grandpa, a mom or dad, and so whether that's babies, toddlers, teens, you know, you, know, you wind up really understanding the heart. I think we learn a lot about serving. We learn a lot about we need wisdom. We need all kinds of things from our Heavenly Father to be the kind of parent figures that we need to be. God teaches us so much when children are in our lives. And so it's through a child. Mary and Joseph are the pinnacle figures in the Word of God where we learn about peace. And so we're going to go to scriptures that cover the birth announcement of Jesus to Joseph and Mary. Uh, here's how we were announced in regards to the birth of Raven James coming along. We got mugs. Yay! Mugs came in the mail with a sonogram. Uh, I, I always dig it when I hear, like, when, when, we, when our kids came along, we just said, we're having a baby. You know, there's a lot of fanfare that, that goes on now uh, with it. You can't do anything simple anymore. You gotta, you know, how, how are you doing this, that, or the other? And uh, I love it when the, the, the siblings start wearing the t-shirts saying, I'm, I'm a big brother, you know, and just like see if that lands with people around. Uh, now, this is one of my favorite too. The gender reveals that are going on now. Like, is it a baby boy or is it a baby girl? Uh, there was a family in our church that uh, the dad was a BMX motorcycle guy. I mean, he was, he, he slick wheelies and the whole bit. And so about 40 people gathered out in the front driveway here and Mick drives by pink exhaust welcome meadow you know it was just so so cool you know that was like so so top that you know family no no don't try to top that um that's the pinnacle of what I know let's go to the word of God Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 1 the conversations of the messengers of God the angels with Joseph and Mary so we're going to lead off with Joseph an angel of the Lord 
appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, my man, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. I just, just time out for a moment. What are you afraid of? Like today, what do you walked in to and, and it just, it's still with you right now? It gives you the worry wiggles. It, it gives you anxiety in your spirit. You're, you're fearful of it. You just don't know what to do. It's beyond your comprehension. As we go into the word of God, it's okay. Right now, name it, identify what that is. What are you afraid of? Hear the word of the Lord says, do not be afraid. And in this particular instance, it was for, for Joseph to welcome Mary into his home as his wife because I, check this out, because, because what is taking place in our midst is, is from the Holy Spirit. I, I just want you to know whatever it is that you've identified as a, as a fear factor, the Spirit of God is already at work in that area, that you can have that confidence. She's gonna give birth to a son. You're gonna give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Yeshua, Jesus, it means God saves. God shows up and God saves. Luke 1, verse 30. Short and sweet for us today. But the angel said to her, huh, do not be afraid. It's a repetitive theme. Do not be afraid. What is it, what is it that you're wigged out by? What is it that stresses you? What is it that causes anxiety? Name it, declare it. And then it, goes, it says, do not be afraid because you found favor with God. So you can know this, that God is for you. The spirit of God is already at work in whatever area you have identified and God loves you and God is for you. Just be ready to walk out remembering that and having that deep, deep confidence. So uh, if we look just a little bit at, at what might have really been some of the, the stressors for Mary and Joseph that might also be common for us, we, we've got a few that we're gonna just note uh, today. Uh, these are common fear factors. And, you know, I started thinking, I was just calling these fear factors, and I realized there was a TV show called Fear Factors. And I... I just hate to admit it, but I kind of liked it. I just, I didn't want to do any of that stuff. Didn't want to jump off that thing. Didn't want to eat the nasty stuff. Didn't want the bugs crawling on me. But, but I didn't mind watching other people face their fears. Just, but, you know, we don't want to necessarily face our own. So it, it winds up being that the common fear factors, the first is this, that when it, it's socially sideways, that, that people are going to look at Joe and Mary and they're going to go, eh, something ain't right about them. Um, in that culture, if you were betrothed to one another, that, that you were committed to be married, but not married, and a child was on the way, that there was just something in that culture that went, yeah, we don't know about you. Uh, so maybe for some of us today, we wind up in a moment where, uh, where, where you've got some kind of peer pressure 
from, from people at work or people that you go to school with and they just go, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't quite know, know about you. That there's a, maybe, maybe you're the one home in the block that hasn't decked out for Christmas, but everybody else has. You know, that some kind of socially sideways stressor is, is hitting you at, at this time, um, what, whatever that might be. There's gonna be economic issues for Joseph and Mary too. You know, they, uh, they weren't even middle class. You know, was, they did a lot to rub a few shekels together to make their way as we understand about their livelihoods and whatnot. Well, that, that unexpected child on the way, they don't, they're, those aren't money makers. Those, those, are, those are like, whew, you know, money's gonna be flying out the window. You know, and some of, some of us, the stressor might be, I don't know where these children are coming from. Well, you know, maybe, you know, or wherever you do know where those children are coming from, but you keep, you keep having those kiddos and it's like, whew, I've got some real economic issues that are hitting me. Uh, maybe, maybe you did not get the raise that you were expecting and, and there's a, uh, a point of stress. Maybe Maybe even their, the job, and you did the job well, but, but the big old company went, yeah, we don't need just, even though you did that job well, we don't need anybody to do that job. We just don't need that job done anymore. And now you're looking for something else that's gonna support your family. It's like, oh my goodness, that stuff is deep and real. God, God, God shows up in those moments. Or maybe you're, for Mary and Joseph, it just meant the future is uncertain. Maybe you're looking at this next season chapter or this week and you're gonna go, there's some stuff that makes my knees shake. I get the worry wiggles. I get this pit in my stomach. I am stressed out because I don't know what the plan is. I don't know about down the road. I don't know how they're gonna react. So immediately we begin to understand in this moment, the journey from up in Nazareth, Galilee, down to Bethlehem, it's a 90-mile trek. And I go, Ugh, I wouldn't want to do that. And so on a donkey, I got to meet Carl the donkey uh, when we were doing the Advent candle video shoots at the barn. Carl was a hoot, but Carl it took a long time to get Carl in to the stable. And we had to do that a few different times. Carl actually had an understudy named Ike. Ike wasn't any better, but it, it, it took a while. Uh, oh my goodness. So Brandon, uh, the family that was helping light the Advent candle in the first service comes up to me after communion. He goes, I bought a couple donkeys. And afterwards, he was, he was like, I, you saw holding the donkey. Just to, you know, actually, Carl got near and dear to his heart and he bought a couple donkeys uh, to, to take. I thought that was, that was really cool. Um, okay, 90 miles. That wasn't the only journey they took. So you know that an angel came to Joseph in a dream and said, hey, watch out for Herod. They go to Egypt. Later on from Egypt, they go back up to Nazareth in, in Galilee. So in roughly about a three-year period of time, guess the amount of miles that Mary, Joseph, and Jesus have trekked with the likes of Carl the donkey. 1,242 miles. Ugh. Talk about, but some of you are sitting here facing such uncertain times and you're gonna go, do I gotta do that stinking trip again? I just like, and you're so weary of the unknown. Do not be afraid. The God brings peace in the midst of those moments that God shows up. Well, I wanna tell you about 
something that I picked up on a date night. I went to a musical. Uh, just raise your hand if you've heard of this musical. When it's a big date night, we, we go to a musical in downtown Grand Rapids. This one's called Come From Away. I'd never heard of it. Ooh, all right, I, I saw a hand there. Okay, this is like, this is kind of an unknown musical. It was phenomenal. Here's the setup for it. It's based on September 11th, 2001, about what happened to the people who were flying in the airplanes when the United States airspace closed. Like all the airplanes go, nope, nope, nope. Just like we're, all the planes need to, need to land and shut down. 38 of those planes, over 7,000 passengers, landed in Gander, Newfoundland. Gander had this huge airport that they really weren't put into use because in the early days of air travel, the planes that would come over from the Atlantic from Europe would stop and gas there and then move on to wherever they went to in North America. Well, as air travel got better, they didn't have to stop in Gander anymore, but it still had this big airport. So, all right, everybody to Gander, 7,000 people. The town of Gander is 11,000. Now, uh, at first, all the folks who land, they're on the planes for over 24 hours without getting off. Uh, yeah, by the way, it's a musical. It's kind of a, it's kind of sort of a dramatic comedy. It's like, I know it sounds like forever, but, but they're talking about what do you do when you're stuck on a plane for 24 hours and you're, you know, your cell phone dies and all that stuff and you don't know what's going on and you got the worry wiggles and, and all this. So eventually they unload from those planes and the people of Gander welcome them with open arms. You know, with just this, this, they went, they got to figure out where they're going to stay. They opened the schools. The churches are open for worship. They opened all the churches, all the schools, all the campgrounds, all the YMCA's. People invite them in their homes. What are we going to feed them? They, they, they figure out how to do this big. They went and gathered everybody's girls. They even had some of the pastors, ah, just go start grabbing girls from people's houses. And, and all the big city folks are going, you got to be kidding me. They're going to, you know, oh, it's just this big Canadian welcome open house kind of moment. And they just had all kinds of community meals and they cared and fed for these people for, for three to four days. It was utterly, incredibly amazing. All right. So the very first time after the folks are escorted off the plane, you know, there's, that's a big deal, unknown, horrific circumstances. There's a bus that goes to a Boy Scout campground. There's a couple from Zambia, the continent of Africa. They don't speak the language. And they get... <laughs> to this campground and it's night and they're not getting off the bus. They are not, I mean the stress, they're not exiting the bus. The bus driver notices that looks like a Bible in their hands. And he goes, I don't speak their language but I'm pretty sure we divide the Bible the same by book, chapter, and verse. He's able to open up to Philippians 4, 6. And he points to them and he has them read it. Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Friends, some of, some of you feel like you've, you've gone on a ride. There's all kinds of uncertainty. You don't know the future. The economic situation is bleak. People look at you socially sideways. Nothing. Be anxious for nothing. They read the word of God. They exited the bus and they were welcomed by generous people. Friends, God's ready to do the same. 
God's ready to do the same for you and whatever it is that you're afraid of. This is, this is such a profound word for our lives. Let's, will, you, will we read this together? Let's read Philippians 4, 6 together out loud. Here we go together. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, make your requests to God. You did great reading that. Uh, so it's not because we didn't do great. You knocked it out of the park. But it's so vital. Let's do it again. But this time, I mean, boo, really bold. Like really, mm, really out there. All right? Like with loud testimony. Here we go. Together. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Amen. That was fun to do. That was good. And because it's so important that that's ingrained in our hearts and, and I think there's times that for us to say that and remind ourselves it's time we need to shout that but there's often times that God speaks this in a still small voice. Oftentimes God speaks this in a still small voice. So how about we do it one more time and we do it with the still small voice like God speaks to you child of God. Here we go. Do not be anxious about anything but in every situation, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And it goes on to say, in the peace of God, which transcends all understandings, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Miracle. Um, if we're going to break it down, how to be anxious about nothing, be anxious about nothing. Um, it's a pretty simple outline. Uh, what you're going to see is the New Living Translation of that verse just broken up into phrases. And it starts with pray about everything. <laughs> just, just pray about everything. So, so when Dr. Lori Bond is, is talking to us, it's, it's this ongoing conversation with God. God is in relationship with you, child of God, and this, this ongoing conversation and our, our prayers, and you know this, our prayers were more than just these request machines. God help here, God help here, God help. It's like, that's why we pray about everything because sometimes we're just conversing with God, we're seeking God's wisdom, we're making confessional dynamics, we're just telling God we're thankful, we're thankful, we're grateful, God, you're awesome, God, you're amazing. So, so that's pray about everything. Pray about the wonderful things that you notice. You've got a lot to be thankful for. It's just great. And then it says, um, ask God for what you need. Well, when we ask God for what we need, I think this is, you know how sometimes we talk about prayer and it's like the, the details are important? And again, it's not, it's something that God is able to frame and form in us when we will allow ourselves to get beyond the simplicity of God. God, God, God bless everyone. God, God help, God help my day. When we can get into to, to the deeper specifics, our, our hearts open up to the depths of what, what God may desire to do. And so when we hit also that, tell God what you need, I wind up, I'll just say, getting beyond the surface because I, I, I'm gonna confess, I have a tendency to go, God, um, I, um, I, I, I need more money. Um, God, I, I, I need this person to change, you know, to stop doing what they're doing. And I, I need this, this, this atmosphere to change. And this needs to feel more, way better, you know. We, I start doing that. But, but if I really spend time and go, but God, what do I need? Oftentimes, not that I don't ask for God to move mountains, but oftentimes I wind up going, oh, God, I need to have an attitude 
that 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 is different than than, than the self-centered thing I've been bringing into those situations. God, I need to allow you to see me through the storm and allow you to calm that storm that somehow I'm I'm as much a part of it. Just I begin to realize what I'm really praying for is is a peace. Oftentimes that surpasses all understanding when we tell God what we need. And then it says to give thanks to God for all he has done. That's that's a beautiful thing that we remember. In fact, it's 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 a constant in the word of God. God, you've done this in the past. Thank you, God. You've done that in the past. God, as you've done this in the past and that in the past, I anticipate what you're going to do in my present and in my future reality. And it is a wonderful way that we, those are the recipe, that's the ingredients to create the, the peace of God that transcends all understanding. And that's, but what happens sometimes, friends, when, we, when we're really honest with ourselves, we feed, we feed that fester in worry. We nurture and cultivate the very thing that we're trying to eliminate and, and exit our life. It's as if we say that, the, oh, whoever worries most really cares the most. It's something like that. We, we go to this odd place and we begin to commend our care and concern as just being this endless void of worry and anxiety that we heap on ourselves and we stink up the atmospheres that we walk into when we do that. Ugh. Friends, the, the mental health issue is huge. And if we will allow God, the room in our spirits, and my, all, all kinds of things are going to be put into place as God begins to give the peace that transcends all understanding. Well, how about we go to some of Jesus' words in Matthew chapter six. He really talks pointedly about this miraculous concept of peace. And, and he's gonna say, uh, look at birds and look at flowers. So if you like looking at birds and flowers, you're gonna like these verses. If you don't, just kinda get, get, get with it here. So here it goes. Uh, Therefore I tell you, don't worry. Don't get the worry wiggles. Don't get stressed out. Don't be anxious about your life. What you're gonna eat, what you're gonna drink, what you're gonna wear. For isn't the body more than clothes and just, you know, food factor? Um, and this is when it says, look at the birds. So the word is really consider. Consider, ponder, reflect. Consider the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more, much more valuable than them? That's a rhetorical question. God loves you. Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Again, rhetorical. Nope, can't do it. But you know what? We can sure subtract hours with stressful mindsets. Not only can we take away hours on this side of eternity, but we can take away life that is truly life, even if we're not subtracting hours. We're subtracting true life on this side of life when we give in to anxiety and worry and the stresses of this world. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin and yet I tell you not even Solomon uh, not even Elton John not even whoever you can think of who dresses so incredibly snappily who's dressed like these uh, so, so here's a, a couple of dynamics that I think we're getting at here we'll, we'll, we're going to go one, two, three as we close today we got a one, two, three of real biblical themes 
that, that, that are in the word of God right now but run all through scripture that, that take us to the miraculous dynamic of peace. And the first is this that Jesus is talking about and this is termed in the, in, in, in you gotta, we gotta flip this around. A scarcity mentality leads to anxiety. Jesus is talking about that. If, if you can't notice that there is an abundance around you, that, that God is at work, that God even takes care of the birds and the flowers are beautiful and they're not stressing about it. If that doesn't dawn on you, then there's a scarcity mentality about how we go about life and, and you're gonna live in anxiety and worry and stress. Um, if we wind up looking at at our atmospheres and go, there's not, okay, if we want, there's not enough money. There's not enough, I don't get enough attention. I don't get enough admiration. I don't get enough opportunities. If we start looking at, at things that are scarce and now I've got to go grab it. I've got to jump to the front of the line and, I, and I'm pushing other people aside and then all of a sudden we're creating relational strife. We're creating all kinds of other atmospheric hardship because we are grabbers it is going to be anxious. It is going to be stressful. And Jesus is saying, you don't have to worry about those things. Your heavenly father loves you so much more. But I tell you, you know, I, I remember just being at the closest family fair not long ago. And, and it was, there was a time that I was with Terry and we were, we were in Shipshawana. Sometimes it's fun. If you don't know what Shipshawana is and you're about my age, you go there. You're going to feel really young and youthful. It is a fun place to go to and, and be. And, and I like everything that the folks that are there are doing. It's cool. And I can remember just looking up in some of the trees and go, there's so many birds. Like, where do all these birds? I think that's what Jesus is, is, is trying to get at. Not so much, you know, the, the, the bird that you saw on the side of the road. It was like, there, there's so many birds. There are so many beautiful flowers just growing wild that it just happens. It's, it's, not, it's not scarce. We, we don't have to grab. And so then we flip it and we begin to see the miracle of peace as we have the mindset that we are hosted by a generous God. We are hosted by a generous creator. We are hosted by the Lord God Almighty. It's, it's built into creation. Abundance. So, so ask yourself, do you see the world that, that, that it's made that there's enough or do you see that there's not enough and you need to grab? It's the difference between the worldly outlook and, and the spiritual outlook in our natural world. And it, when we look into the word of God, the kingdom of God is like this master who throws the banquet and invites every way from the, everybody from the highways and byways to come in and his servants go, there's still more than enough. Go get more people. There's just like, there is enough in the kingdom of God. When Jesus goes to this wedding feast and it's the first time he ever performs a miracle and he even says to his mother Mary, but my time has not yet come. She looks at him and goes, they're out of wine, Jesus. And gives him, she, she moms him. She, she actually asketolds Jesus, you know. Uh, and, and he goes, oh, oh, dear woman, it's not my time. And then she looks at the servants and says, you do whatever he says. And she walks out like a boss and it's, it's really cool. Um, and Jesus tells the servants, okay, those, those stone jars over there, which were ceremonial jars used for foot washing. Now he has them fill them up with water and then he tells them to take from that and to serve to the master of ceremonies 
and the master of ceremony says, you brought the best wine out at the end. Usually wait till people are sloshed and you bring out the cheap stuff. You brought out the good stuff. Wow. Because God is a God of abundance. God can create. When you don't feel like you have enough, and you place it in the hands of Jesus, even when there's thousands of hungry eyes, thousands of people hungry to be fed or to be attended to or to be cared for, whatever the situation is, and there winds up being just a couple of loaves and, and, a, few, and, a, and a few fish that are placed in his hands, he multiplies what you place in his hands, and there is more than enough. Because, because God is a gift-giving God. God is a generous God. And what that means, child of God, is then we can go do likewise. Even when we might not think that we have enough, we can, we can go be generous. We can look around and just say, oh, wait, my, I, I come from a generous family. I'm part of the family of God. So I can go give in these different situations and I'm, go I'm gonna have it. I can give time. I can give energy. I can give patience. I might give a finance. I can give some wisdom that it's not out of a scarcity mentality. I think sometimes we've joked about, because of the, there's a television show that uh, one of the lead characters, when he wanted peace, would yell, serenity now! And, and it didn't bring him peace. It just kind of stressed him out even more. But in, in the goodness of God, Jesus says the kingdom of God is here. It's now eternity now, eternity now that, that because you are the temple of God, that, that on this side of eternity, you get to bring kingdom of God stuff. You get to live with a generous heart. You get to live with the kind of stuff that the world doesn't have and you can bring eternity to this side of, 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 of time. One more miracle. It's, it's the big one. God descended to ascend. Is that, is that and, and he didn't only uh, descend so that he would ascend. He descends in the same way that likewise, when we get in touch with the incarnation, the crucifixion, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that we likewise will do the same. Uh, talking about musicals in Luke chapter one and two, everybody's singing. Zechariah's singing, Mary's singing, the angels are singing. And what they start singing about is God has taken a bunch of nobodies and made him somebody. Here's what Mary says in the opening of, of her song, The Magnificat. My soul glorifies in the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. I'm just a nobody. I'm lowly. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. I'm somebody. For the Lord, the mighty one, has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Friends, when we allow ourselves to have this humility that is like, it's okay, I'm a nobody, but I'm gonna get in sync with who God is, God exalts. So, so when God, in, in the Son of God, Jesus Christ descends into the womb, into like that embryonic stage, into the, the Virgin Mary. It's like he left the throne room of heaven and came down and descends and gets under this great weight. He's getting under this great weight of the sin of all humanity. He's getting under the rebellion, everything that causes dysfunction and brokenness in our lives. He gets under that stuff and he picks it up and he picks up death and he just removes it 
because he is so strong. But he's got to, he's not gonna do that in his ascent. He's gonna descend and get under that heavy, burdensome stuff and lift it up and remove it. Some of you like going to fitness centers and when you go to fitness centers and uh, eventually, uh, I'm looking at Ben, he can probably lift all the weight. Um, eventually, you know, some of the weight, you know, somebody puts all the weight and I get to the guys and goes, who in the world has been lifting all the weight? You know, on the, on the, on the circuit machines, I'm gonna, you know, I can lift some of the weight. I'm gonna, you know, put it way up here. Eventually, we all hit the point that life hits and we go, I, there's too much weight. I can't bear it. But who bears the weight? The Lord God, the Lord God Almighty bears the weight. Whatever weight it is that you can't lift, and even whatever weight it is that we think we can lift, he's the one doing it. I, I'll tell you one testimony, I guess. But, but I will tell this to you to say that you need to think of, of your thing too. Uh, it was like the fourth funeral I ever did. I think the Lord gave me three softball ones. Grandma, so-and-so, up in age, love the Lord, celebrate eternity, families, hearts are good. And then the next one was a 20-something young adult who took his life, didn't know where he was at with the Lord. And the family happened to be believers, but uh, you know, didn't have a current church home. And so in walks me 30 years ago. And... And I'd done all the things that you were supposed to do and it's like 40 minutes before the service is gonna hit. I go out to the car and I'm looking over the message and I had this, whew, I've got nothing. I, I've got nothing. I mean, I, I, had, I had some, I mean, I had all kinds of stuff, but it went, their son ain't coming back. This situation, I go, I go walk in there, I say this stuff, it's the stuff you should say. And what hit me in that moment was, Lord, Lord I, I admit I got nothing, but I have great confidence that you have something for that family. I have great confidence that even, even if I walk in there and get out of the way, you've got something for them. And I think something happened that day that I'm just now getting a grasp. I'm, I'm just now 30 years later getting a grasp on it because people have told me, Jim, you are oddly good in a funeral. And it's not something I've strived for. I think, I think, I think my default mode is I walk in and go, I got nothing. I just walk in and go, I, 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 got, I, I, I wish there were further areas of my life that I'd so fully surrendered. When we fully surrender, God is able to really, really be strong. Um, final thought on miracles, then we go to the Lord's table. Here's what C.S. Lewis says about miracles. The God of nature is not an alien, is not an outsider. So again, I, I hate to bring correction to C.S. Lewis, but I like to say the God of creation. The God of creation is not an outsider, is not an alien. God is the supreme sovereign. So it is actually natural for the supernatural to enter in. But when the supernatural, when God enters into the natural, when God enters in at incarnation, when Jesus shows up, the natural is never gonna be the same again. When God enters in and, and is the suffering servant at crucifixion and then is, is, defeats death at resurrection, it's never the same again.